like hot sauce? Then you'll love great white hot sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce, made especially for you. So if you want some badass hot sauce, go to www.trygreatwhite.com. Episode 81. That was a hell of a year. 1981. Damn. But we're not going to talk about 1981 in this episode. On this episode, we're going to talk about Prince. Since we didn't get a chance to do it last episode, because sometimes Jack talks too much. Yeah, I said it. So what? He's not here to retort. What's he going to do? Whoa, 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 whoa me? Anyways. And we got some music news. I got some more news on this Bob Dylan guy. This guy. Ugh. Total ugh. Ugh. Sit back. Relax. And enjoy the podcast. Five. Four, three, two, one, zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. The KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host, Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Amanda, for that wonderful introduction. As usual, Amanda has new intro music. Thank you. That's all me. I got that skill. It just doesn't, not enough to pay the bill. But, you know, I got the skill. All that background music. All that. I do it. I do that. Jack does painting. I'm, I'm into the, I do the electronic stuff. Jack's the hands-on, back-to-nature guy. I'm the guy that's in the tech. I tear that shit up. I think. At least I think so. Anyways, yeah. So welcome to the podcast. We're streaming live right now over Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. The new and improved, absolutely positively fun Twitter. Thank you, Elon Musk. You are the greatest. I'm also over D Live and I don't know, something else. I I don't know. A lot of platforms. If you're listening to uh, this podcast on a podcast platform, I want to say thank you. If you like it, share it. If you're watching on YouTube, if you like it, share it, subscribe. Hit the alert tone. We, we usually come on Wednesday nights. I say we because usually it's me and somebody else. And tonight it just happens to be my friend Jack Calabrese. Hey. Calabrese. <laughs> hey, can you, can you hear me when I'm in the green room? No. During your, your intro? Oh, good. No. That's good. <laughs> That's what, good. What, 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 were you, what were you mumbling under I was, your breath? I, no, I, it wasn't under my breath. I was laughing because <laughs> the, the, the last time we got together and we spoke, I was busting your balls about not being in the intro anymore as a, as a co-host. 
And and now it's back. And I was laughing. I was like, ah, he caved. What a fucking pussy. I, I, well, <laughs> you see, now I'm going to pull a Paul Harvey and give you the rest of the story. I have two <laughs> intros, buddy. I have two intros. One with you, one without you. It so it's with or without you. With or without hey, well, you. Well, listen, with or without you, you can, you know, quote Paul Harvey all you want, dipshit. Because last week when I was on the phone, when I was on the call, yeah. and I was on the show, yeah, 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 there was no, there was no co-host Jack Calabrese. That's right, because I didn't put it in that time. <laughs> you fucking wuss. Oh, I, all right. You know what, you, dude. You know I'm like the other limits, right? You know I'm like the, and I knew you were waiting for that. I knew you were waiting, and I, and don't he think said, that got by me last. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Oh, see, don't, Danny, think, don't be still. Don't be still in my bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, anyways, no. Don't think that that slipped by me with you saying, "Oh, so I heard that uh, you you don't have my name in the intro anymore." And somebody <laughs> told me, and then you tried to bring it up again, and I said you were stupid for not listening to the podcast. But if you want to revisit that, I, I, of course, I left you out of it because you haven't been here, and it's not fair to the guys on Music Relish the backups to have your name and people coming in. It's actually false advertising. It's false advertising. Speaking of advertising, speaking of advertising and Amanda calls you Calabrese, by the way, which (laughs) is fine. This discussion. You know, the Calabrese people, we're very flexible. Calabrese, Calabrese, (laughs) Calabrese. Deb and I went out for, I think it was her 40th birthday party and we went out dancing and there were people that we met that night that were affiliated with the band that was playing this eighties band. And this woman was so drunk. She was like, I want to go back and hang out with the calamaris. Oh, so Calabrese is not a big deal, but no, by the way, I, I will, I will warn you. There is a wicked storm hitting right now. Okay. If so, if you're out, you're out. I, personally, I have to see it. You have no windows. I think you're making it up because you want to leave the show early, but that's fine. That's fine. I just got here, man. Well, listen, I got, you've got been known. Tea. There you go. Got my hey, tea. so I went back. Oh, you want cringe factor 10, right? On this one. Cringe factor 10. I, um, I went back and I stumbled upon episode two of milk crates and turntables. In one of my, uh, in the, in the podcast, I have a, a, f- a folder with all the files. Well, you know, I'm going to, let's go to the cassette. I want you to hear this thing. Oh, oh this was that. this was seventy nine episodes ago. Imagine that. So here we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. To, let's go to the cassette. Here we go. Enough of that. Welcome, welcome to uh, Milk Crates and Turntables. <laughs> Let me bring on my. I'm Scott McLean, Scotty McLean, your host. Let me bring on my co-host, Mister Jack Calabrese. Hi, Calabrese. Good morning, sir. How are you, man? Wow. There he is. Good morning. Okay. (laughs) Good evening. Um, All right. Well, welcome to the show. This is uh, Milk Crates and Turntables, a video podcast, which we are turning into an audio podcast. So things are going to be different, but they're going to be the same. Enough of that. Good Lord. Hum, humble beginnings. It, it's not as bad Very. as you think it is. 
It's not well, as bad as you think it is. Uh, you know, you know, you know as well as I do. You don't listen, so you don't critique yourself because you say you'll be too hard on yourself and you might fuck yourself up in the head a little more than you might already be. Uh, me, you know, I'm very particular about sound. I'm a, I'm just a, a a junkie when it comes to that. I need my fix. It has to. And I listen to that and I hear. <laughs> breaths taking taking breaths like and it was all a learning experience but the quality we had the echo you know you were you were going off your computer microphone but look where we are today buddy we you know look we didn't know it was an evolution we, we have a we, unlike our friendship the podcast <laughs> has actually evolved it's gotten more sophisticated it's gotten more professional so, it's gotten more elegant. It has a I little used, bit more style to it. And you and I, I lumber in the background. I, I, are you saying knuckles we, we're, dragging? We're going backwards. We're going. To, we're going. Backwards. We're, we're going juvenile. It goes more juvenile every week. Less sophisticated. Yeah. Um. Yes. So sad news today that you you were the one that that yeah. broke the news to me. I was busy being a house husband and I didn't, uh, and, and I don't, as people might think, you know, I'm not like, I don't have the phone in my hand all day looking at Facebook. So I'm sure the race was on to see who was going to be the first one to post that Christine McVie died. Isn't that the thing? Like people always want to be the first, Well, let me tell you out there when you, if you're listening, right. And you hear that somebody dies and you go right to Facebook and you, and you post in there, Christine McVie, you're a little fucked up in the head. That's a little, that's a little demand. Like, why do you want to be the first one to break the news? Like, it, it, is, is that a, is that a thing? You know what I'm talking about. So th this is, this is how we've become more elegant and no. have evolved no. <laughs> that we're insulting, we're insulting our audience. Well, I, I'm sure not all of the audience. I just want to bring it to the table. You know, I, I'm not afraid to speak my mind. And I think that uh, if you're that person and you race to Facebook to say that somebody died, think about it. Just really think about that. <laughs> what does that say? Look in the mirror and what is that? Okay. Anyways. I, yeah. Look, I, I know I know people, they want to feel like they're, they're on the, the, the pulse. And by the way. That's a good way know, to put it. That's a good way to put it. And Christine, you, you McVie, made the comment of, Christine McVie doesn't have a pulse anymore. By the oh way. my God. <laughs> little, little, too soon? Maybe just, maybe just a little soon. Has it been 12 hours? Soon. Go on. 12 hours? <laughs> it's eight hours ago? I don't That's what I told you about it like at 90 minutes ago. <laughs> just saying. I'm not lying. So, so wait, wait a minute. Whoa, hold, hold, <laughs> hold on a second. Let's back up a second. <laughs> you you just sat there for a couple of minutes criticizing people for listing or notifying the world, not notifying the world, but their world or part of their yeah. world, that somebody famous had passed. And you were criticizing people. And then you went on to make a horrible <laughs> joke. Truly tasteless. It's, you're the one that brought up Pulse. You, you uh, I, I got news for you. I, I got news for you. I think you're going to be using that alternate <laughs> intro from now on. 
Jesus Christ, man. Damn. What? Poor Christine McVeigh. My favorite. And it, you know what? By, by the way, Christine, I, I mentioned this to the beautiful Deborah. Uh, Which she is, by the more way. More than an hour ago. Yeah. We, were, we were watching, uh, I think, World News Tonight, and at the end, like they do, they, they had a tribute. Mm. Um, you know, just a couple of minutes, and I, I made a comment, and I stand by this comment. You think of the talent that was in Fleetwood Mac, right? Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, you know, the, the, the rest of the crew. She was, you ready? She was the George Harrison yeah. of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. She, was a, she had, she had a, a different take. Her songs were incredibly interesting. I love them. Um, yeah. I mean, some she, of my, was, she was fantastic. Some of my favorite um Fleetwood Mac songs is are hers. I mean, I love. Don't get me wrong, I love the other lady. We're not talking about her. I'm talking about Christine McVie, you know, Stevie Nicks. I know. Um, I loved her music. I mean, I just loved her songs. So I, I have a a, a list of my top five, but actually five is, is is a tie. So I'm gonna give you my my uh, my top five. Um, Top five Christine McVie songs yeah, or Fleetwood yeah. Mac songs? Yeah, Christine McVie songs. She sang a, a lot of them, not a lot, but she had enough. And I'm gonna and, and they're all they're all popular. Like Songbird isn't in here. There's there's, there's a bunch of that, that are good songs, but I'd say uh, number five is a tie between Over My Head and Say 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 You Love Me, right from their self-titled album Fleetwood Mac. Two great songs. Uh, Got a Hold on Me from her self-titled album in 84 when she went solo. Um, and she got a lot of help from MTV, too. That really kind of, I mean, that helped sure a lot did. of artists. That helped a lot of artists. Of course. There's no doubt about course. that. Um, just, just like radio helps a lot of people. Just like yeah. YouTube helps a lot of people, you know, I mean, people that are smart enough to use the latest media and medium of the day, they do well. Well, not necessarily. I th- much like if you got on much MTV, like you are leveraging, leveraging, leveraging the airways of the podcast world. Yeah. Universe. I call it a universe. And you're on, you're on, you're on Twitter. You're on, are we still on Facebook? Yeah. I have one of my accounts up and running. <laughs> and then I just share it to the other one that's banned from live streaming for 37 more days. Uh, <laughs> I always did, do they give you a reason for it? Do you know why? Yeah, I posted some uh, Hunter Biden pictures. Oh, Jesus. The one where he's standing in his underwear with the red scarf and the sunglasses smoking a crack pipe. Like that one is everywhere, and they, they, they get me for that. Because <laughs> they're protecting him. But we're not here to talk about that. Hmm. So... um. I think their biggest MTV song is is the number three song that uh, by her is uh, from the album Mirage, uh, Hold Me. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 the, the piano at the beginning, they're in the desert. It's one of those videos that makes fucking no sense at all. It's a classic early MTV video. They're, they're like, is that, that's the, that's the one in the desert yeah. with, don't they like break the mirror over yeah. and over again? Yeah. And they, there's a mirror in the middle of the desert and they got the safari hats on. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but I like that song. Uh, number two is you make loving fun from rumors. I, is 
you're hard pressed to find an opening riff as cool as that one by Fleetwood Mac. That might, I think that might be one of their better opening riffs, right? It just, it just bangs right off, right, right from the first note. And my favorite yeah. song. And interestingly enough, her and Lindsey Buckingham had great sound together. Yeah, they did. They really played off each other, uh, like, perfectly. I think better than Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. I think those two had a better sound together. Uh, so, and this is a perfect example of it in Little Lies from Tango in the Night in 87. Fucking love that song. Tell me lies, Jack. Tell me sweet little lies. She wrote that, she co-wrote that song with her second husband, who was, uh, I think he was a bass player. Not, I don't, he wasn't in Fleetwood Mac, but he was in another band. Well, she liked those uh, bass he, players. He huh? actually, he, he co-wrote a, a, a couple of songs with, with her. Uh, she had an interesting career. I mean, and let me go back to the whole, like the whole George Harrison yeah. thing. I mean, that's kind of make Fleetwood Mac kind of a tour de force in that. I, I think it's kind of a cool thing, whether it's by design or not, that if you think about the Beatles, you know, Lennon, McCartney, Lennon, McCartney, Lennon and McCartney. And then every now and again, you get a George and it's a little <laughs> bit of a different take and it's a different voice yeah. and it still carries the ball forward, but it's, it's a difference, you know, you know, almost gives you a little bit of a break. Now with the Beatles, you could actually make the argument, well, you got to bring Ringo into that as well, but not really. Ringo, Ringo had a couple of contributions, but but not a lot, and certainly didn't have the vocal stylings of Christine Christy McVie, right. uh, who, for, for you know, some people may not realize that. I mean, she was actually out of that band for, she retired. She was out She's for the like first 15, one that left. Yeah. Yeah, she she was gone for 15 years. Yeah, she left in the 90s, then, I believe. Yeah. Right. So here's a, here's a little story for you, and I, I won't use the real names, but <clears throat> Deborah uh, has a very good friend that has since become my friend as well. He is a musician, a professional musician, and actually tours with a, a well-known artist uh, of the day. And uh, this was probably three or four years ago at the, you know, like, he uh, he is so well thought of in terms of his instrumentation and his capabilities and just the person that he is. He was actually contacted by Fleetwood Mac. He was contacted by Fleetwood Mac's management company, whomever it was, stating that Fleetwood Mac were about to embark on a big tour and Christy McVie was not going. Would he be interested in the gig? And I, And I don't know if I have the story correct. I think he did have to submit or audition but he spent weeks and weeks learning every Fleetwood Mac song and was ready to go on the road with him and at the last minute she decided that she was gonna do the tour uh, and he lost the opportunity uh, yeah yeah That's and you, you know what he was he was pretty cool about it he was like you know look this type of thing happens in the music business he was like sure. I would have loved that gig it would have been amazing I probably would have made a fortune you know but he was he was trying to be humble about it. He was just like, but you know, for the fans, of course, they want to see Christy. He was like, I was like, fuck that man. I wanted to come and hang out with you and Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. Actually, <laughs> I wanted to go and hang out with Fl Mick Fleetwood. <laughs> Fleetwood, yeah, big giant tall lunatic. He's, he's much more interesting. 
Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, she had a, uh, I can't believe, dude, she's 79. Like, yeah. I, these are things I just don't fathom because you just, just like anybody that you, you look, you know, you look up to or you, you, you're a fan of them. And then like that, that smack in the face where like, they're fucking old now. Like, <laughs> they're old. Yeah, she you know? she was she was essentially almost eighty, 80 years 80 old. old. Yeah. She was she was in and out of Fleetwood Mac. Think about this: she first joined Fleetwood Mac in nineteen seventy, fifty-two years ago. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, fifty-two years ago. Yeah. Now think up think about this for a second. When were you born? What year? Sixty-three. Sixty-three. So you minus that 52 years that she was in Fleetwood Mac, that puts you, what, pre-World War One? <laughs> I don't know what you, I don't know where you're going with that. Time, all I'm saying is time goes by crazy, crazy fast. Yeah, yeah. Like sand through an hourglass, ticking away the moments that make up a dull day. We should do a whole episode on time, songs about time. You know, we'll do that for the new year because that's right around the corner. That's a good one. We'll talk about time. Yeah. That'll give you plenty of time to get your research done. Set the date aside. You know, just be ready. Be ready. We got a Christmas I, show I, coming up. I can I can rattle off time songs right now, right off the top of my head. No, no, no. No, no, no. I don't want to hear it. All right. No. Number one. That did that. <laughs> yeah. So are we going to talk about Prince? Do we, do we, I mean, I think you and I had, we did have this discussion earlier. Is there any, well, there was, there was, really there was, there was one of those classic moments where you and I were trying to communicate by text and you would be in a complete douchebag. <laughs> what? You, you said, you sent me a text on Monday, right? Last Monday, say, not this past Monday, the Monday. Hey, let's talk about Prince. And then I said, okay, okay. Then I text you today. You said, you text me. What are we talking about? I said, I don't know, Prince, and we're going to do some uh, music news. You said, I think we've already talked enough about Prince. I'm like, no, see, 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 this is what I mean in terms was, of, of reading into that. This is what I mean in terms of, um, of tone and interpreting, you know, based upon what you read in text. <sighs> what I was basically saying is, um, I was I was actually when I texted you I was kind of going through the internet and reading you know going on to things like Wikipedia and I was looking at articles about Prince and as I was going through it, it through it I recognized and realized I was like you know what we've already talked about a lot of yeah. this stuff so I I wasn't I wasn't texting you and saying hey we already talked about Prince let's move on I was giving you a heads up like hey as I'm reading this this is sounding very, very familiar and may sound very familiar to your listeners, your hot sauce imbibers. And, and I was like, I was like, I, you know, look, I was like, I, Hey, I'm all for talking about Prince, but I think we've already gone down this road and I'm happy to talk about Prince. This you was know your reply. Put out? This was your reply. Said. I said, 7.45 tonight. You said, are you sure? Question mark. I said, fairly. And I had said I earlier what we were talking about. You asked me what now, we were now, talking about. Now, wait a minute. About. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. On the count of three, 
let's both read my text in the tone in which you heard it and I intended it. Okay. One, two, three. I think we've I think talked, we've quite, talked a bit about quite a bit about Prince before. <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> How could you give it me was, that opening? How could you was, fucking give me that opening? You're getting old. Fucking you just was, gave me the fucking golden. You gave me the golden opportunity. How could you? No, no. I gave you the opening to show people that you are a flawed individual. I think we've you talked are, quite you a are, bit about Prince. Before you are the you are the Hunter Biden of this show. Hey, 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 hey! Easy now. I don't smoke crack. <laughs> I don't smoke crack. <laughs> easy. Uh, uh, how many albums did he come out with? Oh shit, thirty. Thirty nine. Yeah, yeah. So thirty nine. That, you know, that, that, probably, that, that probably includes you know a couple of the compilations, you know, greatest out, hits, outtake yeah. records, and yeah. crap like that, but. I, I have to tell you, you know, just uh, just upon reading some of the stuff about Prince again, I mean, first and foremost, I, I recently read a book called Peak, and it, and it talked about how some people are labeled as geniuses. I'm sure this happens to you all the time, Scott. How uh, did you know? You're but the, absolutely the, right. And, and while there, there may be certain individuals out there that have been touched by the hand of God and given this innate ability to interpret create however you want to put it um the reality of it is is that most people that excel to like genius and master levels are those individuals especially that have exposure to the discipline that they pursue and put the necessary amount of time toward it there's another time reference for you so okay. so reading a reading about prince his mother was a jazz singer. His dad was a jazz pianist. I think he was yes. a jazz pianist. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, he was already ahead of the game in that he was at least initially brought up in a home that encouraged him to explore those. Not to mention he had access to probably instruments, you know, piano. And I mean, one of the things that I read was that, Prince actually composed his first funk song at the age of seven. Not surprised. So, you know, here's, here's somebody that, that almost out of the womb was completely immersed in music. Yeah. And it's, I, and it's the, the book, the book peak that, that I was talking about kind of makes the claim that for somebody to have that type of genius, it's not just the hand of God touching you on the shoulder saying that you have it. It's actually being surrounded by the right environment, having access to the right tools, having the passion, obviously, and the drive to want to be able to, to be good, but the encouragement and the time to be able to put into it. You well, know, it takes like, a lot of patience on a parent's part also. Like, yeah. you have a kid that wants to play the drums. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> you ain't playing those things here. <laughs> but you... <laughs> Look, look, I get news for I get I get news for you. But when I took my son Zachary down to the music store, it was in the back of my head. Now, look, freedom of choice. It was completely up to him. And initially, I thought we were going down to get him a drum set, and ultimately, we left with a bass guitar. Whew. And he made that choice. 
Now, now we've had plenty and plenty of drumming in this house, but there's one thing for all of you parents or would-be parents out there that you should know. If your son or daughter is the drummer, band practice is at your house. Yeah, because you're not moving the drum set. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's typically at your house. You're not moving the uh, drum but, set. But, you know, str- strangely enough, you know, full circle. So Zach started with the bass. Moved to electric guitar. So Zach is a very proficient bass player. He is in a tremendous, at least um, his dad, so, you know, biased, is a tremendous guitar player. And he's actually moved back to drums. He is a, a multi-attack. He's a Dave Grohl. Multi- he's a little Dave Grohl. Yeah. 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 Does he, um, and I mean, Zach's not a child for the people that are, Zach's like 20 28 28 yeah um does he do it just as a hobby is he in a band has he i mean i think i think he would like to do it more serious um you know we'll we'll see where it goes i mean he he definitely has the the talent i i believe that that he could go out and do something and i'm not suggesting that he's going to be up on stage with metallica but i think that he could actually do something in music professionally in some way, shape or form. Is he a solo guy? Or do you think he's, he's, he's more of a band guy? I think he's, I think he's more of a band guy, but he, yeah. you know what, no, aside Does from being sing? able to, uh, not to my knowledge, okay. not to my knowledge, but, but Zach can also, he can write, he can compose, you know, I'd, I'd like to right. see him do more That's with it, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Excellent. Actually, I mean, listen, if he doesn't go, you know, and to the next level, he still has that to fall back on just as a hobby, a relaxation thing, uh, and different outlets, you know, to go to because each one of those instruments is different, right? Yeah. I mean, you'd have had, for me, I've, I've told him, I was like, Hey, you know, Zach, I was like, look, you don't have to make music your primary profession. But, you know, if you're in a, a little three piece, or, you know, five piece or whatnot, it's something you can do for the rest of your life. You can make a little bit of money. You can go out and have a little bit of fun, meet some people. It's not a bad thing. He's, he's yeah. really got a, in my opinion, he's got, he's got a gift and, and look, I'm a, I'm a meatball guitar player, but the reality of it is, is that Zachary was brought up in a house that played music yeah. all the time. You know, brought him to shows. I mean, both of my kids are big, big music geeks. Yeah. But nothing like like getting back to our good friend Prince. Do you know that Prince, he got his first record deal at 19. 19 years old, yep. Put out his Warner first Brothers. album. Put out his first album at 19 years old. Wrote, produced, composed, arranged. And plays, or at least what it what it claims on All the, the on the, uh, the line of sleep, twenty seven different instruments. Yeah, on that first album. That that's a, that's just a step above. I mean, that's another level of gifted right there. It was not yeah, nineteen seventy eight. The album was for you. Wasn't really a you know, it didn't really go anywhere. It got him. It got him in in the game. It got him in the game, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think he, I think that the album peaked on the uh, Billboard. Um, R&B, you know, soul category was like number 22. And on the, the Bobo top 200, it was, it was at like, 
either 92 or 98. So you're right. It didn't make much of a splash. And talk about somebody that had balls. He actually spent twice the advance that they gave him to actually create the record. Yeah. And they, they stuck with them. They saw the talent. Um, and he had a different sound. Now, you know, he, he was doing this in 78, right? Which is the end of the decade. We always talk about that. The end of, in the beginning of decades is always a little weird. You know, so it's, it just seems things transition out, then they transition in with the decades. We, we've gone over this in, the, in, in past episodes. So then he comes out a year later with the self-titled album, right? 79, Prince. <clears throat> What's your favorite Prince album? Sign of the Times. Very good album. <coughs> very, very good album. That's a solid album. I, I mean, I, 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 love, I love Purple Rain. Um, but, but sign of the times is just sign of the times for me. I, I look, I, I don't know why, but I keep making Beatles references. Sign of the times for me is like the white album. Whoa, you whoa, know, it's whoa, a, it's whoa, a, whoa, 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 whoa. How's this? You can make Beatles references all fucking show long. But as soon as I read on this day in music, don't read any Beatles shit. That's how you say it. By the way, first off, I don't say it that way. <laughs> you do. No, no, Se- you don't. Second of all, second don't of all, play, don't talk ball. about that hey, Beatles sh- stuff. Hey, hey, done. <laughs> I can talk to you. Can you just shut up for a second for crying out loud? <laughs> you grow up. up. No, you grow up. You big stupid head. You're stupid head. <laughs> <laughs> I was making a logical, very cogent, thoughtful point. White album. I wasn't just I wasn't just rattling shit off that I've read on the internet. <laughs> white, white album. This this might actually evoke some interest yeah. out in the world. Eh, don't give but yourself the point that, that I was trying to make before I was so rudely interrupted whoa, once whoa, again. Whoa. Okay. Is that sign of the times to me is like the white album. You know, it's that double album where you can kind of get deep and not everything works, but you know, after a while you kind of grow to love those you know, quirky aspects of that record. It's not, it, it doesn't hit on all cylinders at all time, but there are just moments in it that are just absolutely fantastic. I think that album is just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, my favorite album, I go back to more simpler times. Uh, it was definitely a, a transcending album uh, that brought him into a whole nother level. Nope. Dirty Mind. Dirty Mind. Dirty Mind. Every track on that album is good. Every track on that. Now, the album cover is it's a classic album cover, right? Um, it, it, it upset people. It made people laugh. It made people, you know, like, damn, look at this motherfucker in the, you know, with the, with the, the duster jacket on and, the, and the, the, the bandana around his neck and is wearing the panties and the, Fucking the gutter belt and the, the the high stockings. Listen, the dude knew how to get attention. Oh, he got attention all right. Had that when he had that big fucking bodyguard, dude was like three fifty. The blonde hair, the big blonde hair, blonde beard. He used to fucking carry him on his shoulders. I I thought that that was a little bit after, but you may be you may be right. But Dan, talk mm-hmm. about balls. You know, that's that's almost the same outfit that he wore on stage when he was one of three opening acts for the Rolling Stones 1981 uh, American tour, it, where he was he was essentially booed off stage in Los Angeles, which is a little surprising to me. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You go to I, a, well, a Stones well, it, concert, well, 
Well, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. You know, especially at that time, you know, look, the United States was no question in my mind, absolutely homophobic. Um, as well as they wanted to hear rock and roll. They didn't want to hear Prince. Uh, but, but I would have expected that, uh, Los Angeles where, where he was booed off stage, maybe a little bit more accepting, you know, like I, I would, I would expect that to happen more in maybe the Midwest, the South, or maybe even Boston, you know, for that matter, where people are not open to it. I, I think that he probably would have had a little bit more of an advantage out in uh, California, but apparently not. Yeah. Yeah. Tough crowd, that Rolling Stones crowd. What's your favorite Prince song? Now that's a, erotic, that. erotic city, really? especially the, the, the DJ mix version of erotic city, which is like the Inagata DeVita version of erotic city is like, you know, it's like 18 minutes long, but it just goes on and on and on. I remember back in the day when you and I were kind of running around, you know, Winthrop and hanging with people. And I used to make a lot of mixtapes. Erotic City was a staple on my mixes. Right. Um, How about I love, you? I love uh, Can Never Take the Place of Your Man. Right? Yeah. But I think the one song, and it's a song that never gets played. It got played when it came out. It's off the album Around the World in a Day. I fucking love Pop Life. Off I of uh, Around the World in a Day? In a Day, yeah. <clears throat> Pop Life. Fucking love that song. Why do you love that song? I just uh, I just love the whole, the, the, the sound of it, the lyrics. Yeah, um, it, was, it, was, it was different. Yeah. Totally, it, it it's totally different. It's like it's like in the in the in the form of Raspberry Beret, right? He was he did a different type of sound then, which he was I, great. You know at. The, all the greats do that. I mean, I first noticed that with U two. I really kind of had the epiphany that every album they had, they changed this sound, which is not fucking easy to do, right? No, it's not. you take a chance every album, and they've paid for some of them, but sure. in the end, they win, right? Prince did the yeah. same thing. He changed it up all the time. He got rid of uh, 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 um, the revolution and got with the new power generation. I changed his sound a huge, but listen, that guy had, he had fucking brass balls. Doing so all that. Be, before we get too far away from it, I have a particular affection for raspberry beret. First off, I mean, I just think it's a great song, uh, you know, super sweet, cool pop song the the time that it came out you know we were running around time of our lives and all that so you know prince was a was a big part of the soundtrack in those those particular years but let me ask you this <clears throat> did prince kind of go through the same creative arc that a lot of artists go through and then i'll i'll, I'll bring it to a different place like if if you think about it, right? You have um, you know, Dirty Mind, Controversy, nineteen ninety nine, Purple Rain, uh, Around the World in a Day, Sign of the Times. Holy shit! Yeah. That that is a hell of a run. <laughs> it's fucking unreal, yeah. right? So, but but if you if you get beyond that, <clears throat> and, you, and you get into you know some of the other things that that he was doing, I mean, Prince for a while. He kind of fell out of favor. 
And I, and I don't mean that that he wasn't always, you know, popular, but he wasn't the force or it it seemed to me that he wasn't the 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 force after a little while. He was exploring different si- so, um he was exploring different things sonically. You know, he was definitely getting more funky and then for for a little bit there was a little bit of a backlash with the emancipation and and changing his his name to the symbol. It it it, it kind of Got a bit much, didn't it? I don't think he cared. And I don't know. I mean, we didn't know the whole story. So on the surface, it looked a little corny. It's like, you know, just play your music. That's that's what the average fan says. But behind the scenes, when you started hearing what was going on, I think that kind of changed a little bit. Falling out of favor. I think once you're a fan, you're always a fan. He He never did anything against the fans he never uh he never sold out he was always true to what he did uh and he was but, very but unique me, at what he did but let, let me ask you this how much of a prince fan were you post sign of the times well so, i mean how, like how, how, how how well how well did you know those albums i mean were you still listening to prince albums in the in the 2000s uh in the let me see in the 2000s no, what album was Get Off on? That was uh, uh was that uh, Diamond and Pearls, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that was about. And the most beautiful girl in the world is one of the greatest songs ever made. Not just one of my favorite Prince songs. That is a fucking great song. Um, <clears throat> but that after that, you know, I know what you're saying, but life happens, right? You, you kind of music for for at least me. You kind of had to take a back seat for a while. I had young kids. wasn't making any money. I was in the military. You know, the whole thing. So, again, and you've heard the story, music kind of took back. I listened to what I could when I could. Um, Once Napster came along, then I got all caught up, <laughs> right? Yeah, but but but, but that, think about this. You know, you, you talked about Get Off. And saying, okay, you were still listening to, you know, Prince. But remember, Diamond and Pearls came out in 1991. It's 31 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Exactly. So Prince Prince, Prince put out a, a bunch of record outs. So I haven't even made my point yet. I haven't even gotten started yet. Well, you only got 15 the, the, minutes, so. The the point that I'm trying to make. <laughs> yeah. The point that I'm trying to make, and, and it may it may relate to other artists as well. And what what I'm the point that I'm trying to make as it pertains to Prince is did Prince fall out of favor because he went off the deep end or did Prince fall out of favor because we weren't cool enough to really kind of get what he was doing I, I don't know what you mean by fall out of favor fall out of favor to me means like you just don't like him anymore Prince I, I, Prince I think we we just listen, didn't listen. pay attention well, that's what I mean. He fell out of favor. Look, look, well, so let's put it this way: after the after the uh, ninety after Diamond and Pearls, was Prince selling albums at five and ten, twelve million copies? No, he wasn't. His album sales went way down. Right. So he he wasn't he wasn't the 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 hot artist that you know top of the Billboard charts. He was still making music. They all go through that. Every band I, that has a longevity goes through that. So it, you see, yeah, you're 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 subscribing to what I'm saying. So what I'm saying yeah. is, is Are you did, looking for did an his argument? music? 
for did his music, did the quality of his music suffer, or were we not cool enough to understand what he was doing? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I never, I never did a deep dive into that. I just kind of, you know, if I liked what he, what I heard, then I liked what I heard. I, I didn't really try to analyze it and say, but, well, but, I don't think, he, I don't but, think he's playing but, music. hindsight. But, no, but, no, no, no. Let me, you but. just talked for fucking 12 minutes. Let me talk. <laughs> this fucker. Um, <laughs> I, I think. Uh, we grow up, we move along, and now there's a new ah. generation that comes after us. There's a new generation ah, of people that come after us, I get us, it. Right? So, so wait a minute. So you grew up, and you grew out of Prince's music. No. When you grow up, you stop listening to certain things because you've heard it, and then you move on to other things. Okay, so you got like, like if, if, if It's impossible so, so for you, you to you got, fucking you keep got, jumping you back and forth. No, no, no. It's It's... It's impossible if you want to progress in listening to music to fucking stop filling your day with all the past music that you've listened to also. You have an X amount of time in a day to listen to music, right? So when you start finding new music, so like I said, the Manchester scene kind of bumped Prince off the map for me for a little while. But he's never like fell out of favor. I always liked him. You know, well, I, I always I went I back mean, to his old stuff. I didn't seek out his new stuff because I was listening to something different. Ah, ah. ah. I was listening to the, like I said, the Manchester scene. Uh, so, you but, know, but why, why weren't why weren't you listening to Prince? I just didn't go out of my way to listen to him. But 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 the point that I'm trying to make. Or what part the, of the, what the fuck trying- do you want me to say? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to answer your question. Yeah, he fell out of favor with me. Can we fucking move on from this? <laughs> it's like you're looking for a fight. You're looking for. I'm I'm I'm, I'm agreeing not, I'm with not. you. I'm giving you my rationale as to what I did, and you're telling me, no, whoa, 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 you're trying to put me in a corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Baby. Part of, Don't part call of me the baby. point that. It- Part of the point that I'm trying to make is, is like you, Scott, after a while, I wasn't going out of my way to listen to Prince and I'll go further, you know, MTV, me, you know, the, the radio or whatever, they weren't really pushing Prince right. either. Right. So, so, so there's a, there's a real silver lining to this story. So I kind of question myself, those later Prince albums. There's probably some brilliant stuff in there, but I wasn't hip enough to kind of stay in tune and to follow along and to see where he was going and what he was doing. The cool thing is, is that music, unlike Prince or Christy McVie, never dies. Right. And you and I still have the opportunity to kind of dive back into his catalog and to listen to that latest stuff and to learn and listen for ourselves to say, Shit, I missed a bunch of really That's, great stuff. Or, 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 yeah, it's okay. Music, unlike Prince and Christine McVie, has a pulse. <laughs> Let's bring that one oh, full circle. God. Oh, God. Um, now, now, so, you know, as far as Prince goes, everybody goes through the, the you hear enough of one artist you know, and you just take it for granted. You take them for granted, right? And I think a lot of people took Prince for granted. It's like, okay, and, and he didn't have, I mean, when you try to follow up Purple Rain, that's that's a hard task for an artist. He did, he did well. He followed up. That's why he changed his whole, 
he saw the writing on the wall. I can't, I'll never do anything with the revolution as good as this again. Right. So he stuck with them a little longer, but he moved on. He progressed with this sound. And a lot of people don't like that. Like you too tried to change this sound. Eventually people like that's, that's not what I want to hear. Right. Yep. Cause we're all selfish when it comes to uh, our music and uh, the artists we like, we want them to stay the course. Right. So with all that aside, I want to know when they're going to start fucking releasing. They said he has like 3000 songs. I'm, 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 the number is, is asking all that might not be 3000 unpublished like songs in his vault. They, like, they think, they think that he has tens upon tens, if not dozens upon dozens of complete albums, albums. Yeah. He, Dude, they, they say, they say that he has dozens upon dozens of completed videos that have never seen the light of. Yep. Day. Yep. Absolutely. Dude. He has, he has recordings of him with like sting. Like they just, Hey, let's go back to my place and record. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's just throw down. And he's got a shitload of artists that now I don't think that they, they'd have to be able to, you know, there would be a rights thing to that. But just to be able to get in there and listen to that shit, yeah, you know, it's this, oh my my god! Aside from the room that he had full of gold bricks, <laughs> and a fucking a million dollars in gold bricks in his basement, <laughs> stacked up like a pyramid. That's fucking yeah. amazing. Uh, let's check out my gold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you know what is is kind of interesting. In, in some respect, Prince kind of followed the same path je, that Jimi Hendrix did. And, and what and what I mean by that is is that you know I mean for from from most people you know Jimi Hendrix's you know the Are You Experience is the pinnacle. You know it was the you know the biggest seller. I mean Axis Bold as Love is a, is a great record of what and but the the reality of it is is that that um, uh, Hendrix was a musician's musician. And wanted to explore different sounds and, and different things. And even, you know, there are a lot of uh, Hendrix fans that they get a little bit lost in some of his later stuff because it was more rooted in kind of yeah. like funk and jazz. And it wasn't the it wasn't the psychedelic, hippie, trippy, dippy stuff that he did in 67. Uh, and, and, you know, like like Prince, you know, Hendrix, he he got rid of the experience. And he had and gypsies. You know, he had the band of gypsies and he yep. was playing with, you know, buddy miles and, you know, a bunch of other people. Yep. So it's kind of, kind of, kind of an interesting thing that they, Solo they, 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 they were almost, they, they were almost more, more closely aligned in terms of the way that they conducted themselves uh, with jazz musicians than they did with rock. Right. You know, we're, we're Led Zeppelin. We started out as Led Zeppelin. We ended as Led Zeppelin. And, well, solo and, but, artists he, are a different animal. Solo artists are definitely a different animal. Yeah. You know, they have that ability. They have that opportunity. Let's say that opportunity to branch out. And it's just them. You but know? I, I think those, I think those guys took it to a whole different extreme because they, oh, they weren't, they, they branched out and they went into totally different uh, genres. Yeah. You know, like, like, I mean, you know, solo artists, uh, you know, Billy Joel, Elton John, 
you know, even somebody like Neil Young, you know, Neil Young explored some things a, a little bit differently and not terribly successful. But most solo artists, they they kind of stick to the same thing. They might venture out a little Formula. bit. Formula. Yeah. But you know? but it, it almost goes back to my my point, you know, is, you know, with, with Prince, is Prince was exploring different sound, and we got lost along the way a little bit. Well, I think he had the ability to go and try out different sounds because he could play every fucking instrument. Yeah. Billy Joel and Elton John are handcuffed to that piano, right? That's pretty much Sting is handcuffed to either his voice or him, his voice and a bass guitar, right? Oh, don't forget he plays the lute. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I didn't know that. So there the you go. Lute. The uh, lute. <laughs> the lute. The lute is on fire. Um, and Prince, he had that ability to go out and say, this is what, I mean, it, it would just be fucking amazing. Maybe someday, I don't know if this court case is still going on, but maybe someday we'll get a taste of all that. But before you go, I want to move on to this fucking, this guy. Where is he? Fucking Bob Dylan. Right? This fucking. So he says, this is his, <laughs> this is his excuse. All right, the headline is Bob Dylan apologizes over auto pen controversy. It was, quote, an error in judgment. Singer cites, quote, bad case of vertigo and COVID protocols for not exactly, not exactly hand signing copies of the philosophy of modern song. So they couldn't have dropped a fucking truckload of books at his fucking house with mask, gas masks on, and he couldn't <laughs> sign them and fucking pay somebody to put them outside his door to get picked up. Now, this fucking guy is a money-grabbing. Fuck him. Fuck Bob Dylan. He says in a tweet, to my fans and followers, I've been made aware that there's some controversy, some it's a $600 book, motherfucker, <laughs> about signatures on some of my recent artwork prints. His fucking artwork. Jack, do you have an auto pen? Uh, I do not. <laughs> yes, okay. On some of my artwork prints and on a limited edition of Philosophy of Modern Song. Then it says, let me see. Fucking just lost it, this motherfucker. Um, I just lost the article. Fuckers. I got it right here. Here we go. So he not only had auto pen. Oh, here we go. On my recent artwork and prints on limited editions of my, I've hand signed each and every art print over the years. And there's never been a problem. However, in 2019, I had a bad case of vertigo, and it continued into the pandemic years. This fucking crutch. He's using it as a crutch, this old fuck. I've hand-signed each and every opera. Oh, no. However, in 2019, I had a bad case of vertigo. It continued the pandemic years. It takes a crew of five. A crew of five? <laughs> working in close quarters with me to help Enable these signing sessions, you lazy fuck. <laughs> and we couldn't get the people. It goes on. I think you get the point. This fucking 
Just come out and say, listen, it was a mistake. I thought my publishing company had this covered. Evidently, he knew all along what they were doing. Of course he knew. Are you sure? Yeah, well, he knows that he's selling autographed books of his book because it's all about his book of modern music. You know? And then he went on. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, You know what? While you're looking it up, the the one thing that that I will wholeheartedly and readily uh, agree with you is, you know, look, if if you fucked up, own it. Just own it. Exactly. You know, don't don't give us your song and dance. Just own it. By the way, you know, I'm not really even familiar with with the uh, the book, but I, I will tell you that in years past, some of his artwork. Uh, he is plagiarized. No doubt. Uh, he, it's fucking he's, lazy. He's, he's, he's actually done paintings that were based image for image off of uh, another artist's photographs and didn't give them the appropriate credit. Yeah. He. So, so also in that philosophy of modern song, he goes after Joe Satriani. Right. What do you mean? Why? He says the legendary songwriter dropped Satriani's name in a discussion regarding the simple genius of Hank Williams's tune, Your Cheating Heart. Your Cheating Heart. Quote, each phrase goes hand in hand with the voice, says Dylan. But if Hank was to sing this song and you had somebody like Joe Satriani playing the answer licks to the vocal, like they do in a lot of blues bands, it just wouldn't work. And would be a waste of a great song. <laughs> Satriani says, Jesus, I, I can't believe Bob Dylan knows my name. It's <laughs> kind of his comeback, right? And then he said, uh, he said, yeah, Bob Dylan knows my name with a question mark. Um, he disagrees, of course. Uh, he, th- he says, I think uh, the great Hank Williams and I could have sorted things out and made some great music. Uh, Satriani, I'll let you go. I know you got to go. Uh, Satriani is certainly not alone in coming under fire from Dylan's pepper spray critiques, though others have taken it less lightly. Dylan writes that Elvis Costello's early work exhausted people, though he applauds latest, the latest song, Pump It Up, right? And has since incurred the wrath of Talking Heads drummer Chris Franz due to a comment that, quote, Elvis Costello and the Attractions were a better band than any of their contemporaries uh, light years away. He said, when I read that, I thought, Jesus, Bob, <laughs> I understand you. Duh. Anyways, so he dogged the talking heads, all those fucking bands for the. For the uh, how, how old is how old is Bob Dylan? It's, he's maybe I don't know. He's old enough to maybe he'll lose his pulse. I don't know. I, I, I oh, God forbid. <laughs> I won't fret. Bob Dylan is an icon and a genius. To, to the sixties, sixties, seventies, eighties, even not not even the eighties. No, 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 no. no. There, there's there was some brilliant stuff that came out in the nineties and even in the early two thousands. Yeah, you're not a fan. That's that's cool. I get it. I get it. That's fine. I, I, you I went, think you was, went off, his you legend went off. was made in the sixties and seventies. That's it. That is it. That was his best no. stuff. Yeah. Well. You got to go. <laughs> it, it, look, it, it's your opinion. He has some of his, yeah. uh, his latest stuff. You know, Modern Times is a great album. 
He won. He won the, the record of the year for it. Listen, you know how many records? Yeah, and, and Chariots of Fire won fucking the Academy Award for Best Picture. Don't so, give me you that. know you 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 make these comments, you know, just to manipulate things to kind of suit your your position. But you sound like a moron. Isn't that what we're supposed to do, though? Yes, exactly. I, I think there's a lot of people out there that agree with me. How's yeah. that? Oh, oh! Not only would people agree with you, but they would yeah. actually include the '60s and '70s. <laughs> exactly. Hey, when did his voice change? Like "Lay, Lady, Lay," you know, uh, those earlier songs when he sang like this. He had kind of, and then it went to this. Like, what? What? what I never figured out that transition. Some people, some I think people, he's fucking lazy. <laughs> Some people attribute it to the motorcycle accident that he was in where he broke his neck. Okay. I could buy that. To, to me, I think it's more he found something that he thought was his own style. I'll tell you, his voice never really bothered me. No, as he got older, it sounded terrible. I mean, listen, I, I, I joke. I, there are a, a handful of Bob Dylan songs that I do love. Hurricane Tangled Up in Blue is one of my favorite songs. Uh, it's a yeah. great story. Uh, I mean, no, no doubt. I just wasn't a, a consistent fan. Like I could pepper songs, but I won't go past the seventies. That's one thing I, I just so, couldn't get so, him after that. So ba- basically he had a long enough career and went off and explored different things, but you jumped off. Not that you were on the Bob Dylan bandwagon, but you went off to explore different things. Do the B-52s belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes. Yes. It's, they're on their farewell tour. And they're gonna, I, I they're think that it's... It with a 10-night residency at the Venetian Theater in Vegas. I, I think there are plenty of people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that, whether they would admit it or not, that the B-52s have influenced. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I truly including, believe about, inc- Including the Talking Heads. I, I'm sure. I mean, I've always and I'm not. Said, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that the Talking Heads don't belong there in their own right. But if you if you have a band like the Talking Heads in there, I mean, you think about the B fifty two, their longevity, their creativity. They, they brought yeah. a whole different sound to the table. I saw them. I never saw them again. Jim, I saw them at Club Casino, Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. I was right at the stage. The stage was like waist high. They were. They. They, they were definitely like in their early twenties. It was after the second the uh, the 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 Rock Lobster album came out, um, the self titled yeah. album, and I I just said this was the fucking that was the pinnacle of how I'm going to see them. Yeah, I can Young, give you I can give you fresh. I can tell you why they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in two words. What Love Shack? Oh, ugh. you're right. I think I think Love Shack was such a goofy, syrupy wedding hit. That it, it it's hurt their credibility. But you know what happens? You know what happens though? That that hurt their credibility for a little while, but that happens with actors. Uh sure. it happens with bands, it happens with musicians. They hit that pot, then they fade away, but then there's always that fucking last run at it. That resurgence that takes them right back to the nostalgia and they're out there. And I think if the talking heads stuck together, they would have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by now. Um I think the rock and I think the Talking Heads are in the Rock and Roll. Ah, uh, they they are in. That's right. They yeah, are in. They yeah, are. yeah. That's my mistake. They are. By in. the way, Pe- just because Perry brought it up, see, did you see this? The the Keith thing. Yeah. I actually personally signed that. No auto pen. 
I I got to protest that. I you got to do you have a videotape of you signing it? <laughs> no, then I have of- to believe it's auto pit. Don't believe him, people. Don't Scott, believe him. Scott, I had to bring in five people to help me sign this one. <laughs> a crew. Wait, a crew of five. The only way I believe that is if you get the beautiful Deb to come on this to the microphone and say he signed it. That's the only way I'm going to believe you. Which, <laughs> so that's never going to happen. So I'll never believe you. Nope. Hey, listen, I know you got to go. You gave me the the heads up. You're four minutes over. Hard hour. I'm going to continue on. So, uh, Jackie boy, uh, hopefully I see you next week. Uh, if right, not, man. I have the alt- I have the alternate intro ready to go. <laughs> Cue it up, brother. All right, man. You know I I'll love see you, soon. buddy. All right. Same here. Take All care. Right, Later. There you go. Jack does an hour. I'll give him that. And I'm going to continue on for a little while. Um, there was some other uh, news stories. You know what? I, I, was, I should have brought this up with Jack, but I'm going to go through this quick list. I got to pull it off of. Oh, fuck. No, wait a minute. All right. I'm not going to use the iPad for this. I'm not even. Maybe I won't have to even do this part. But I, I, the, I have this thing. It's the, the 50 most annoying song, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of annoying songs, right? So let's see. 50 most annoying songs of all time. Uh, this is from domesticatedcompanion.com, right? So they have their list. Oh, right off the bat, I'm with them. The Proclaimers. I'm going to be 500 miles. What a fucking shit show that song is. Are these guys twins? They're like twins. It's supposed to be like all cool. Like, fuck, that song is annoying. Uh, let's see. We have a... Uh, now, this one I don't agree with. Starland Vocal Band Afternoon Delight. That is not an annoying song. That's actually a pretty good song. If you grew up in the 70s, maybe the 80s, it was still hanging around. That's a pretty, that's a, that's one of those kind of guilty pleasure songs. I don't find it annoying at all. Uh, Europe, the final countdown. Yeah, yeah, fucking annoying. Heard it way too much. Didn't like it when I first heard it. Barry Manilow, Copacabana. Come on, is there ever... I mean, that's one of the greatest story songs of the 70s. Hey, Barry sucks you right into it. He gets you right into the scene. Lola, you know, she was a showgirl. Like, he, he gives you the vision. I don't think that's annoying. It's a good song. Let me see. Oh, Rednecks, Cotton Eye Joe. Ah, ah, ah. Tom Jones, what's new? Pussycat, come, what the, who are these people? They have to be fucking Gen X's that wrote this. They have to be. Fucking Gen X's. Or Gen Z's. Anything after boomers suck anyways. The millennials. There's some cool millennials. But after that, they don't. Tom Jones. Tom Jones does not have one annoying song in his catalog. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to differ with this. Uh, let me skip over this one. Yeah. Yeah, Baja Men, Who Let the Dogs Out, that's no no shit right there. All right, no, We Built the City, I'm sure is there. Perry Didovich just said, We Built the City. Oh, you know, you know. I, I'm, I, I can skip all the way to the front of the line, and I'm sure it's there. 
let's see. Give me another one. Uh, yeah, Disco Duck. That's a no-brainer. Nickelback photograph. <laughs> Nickelback gets, they catch the most heat from a band that I've ever seen. Somehow Nickelback has become a joke. Like, like they've, they're like cockroaches. Nickelback won't die. They've been stomped on. They've been sprayed with Raid. They keep going. Nickelback just doesn't stop. Let me see. It even starts off with, see, this little paragraph. So it gives the song Nickelback photograph. It says, there's a reason why Nickelback earned the title as our era's worst band in the world. (laughs) I told you. See, what is it with Nickelback? (laughs) Worst band in the world. Uh, Okay. Let's see. Uh, anything by Hanson is annoying. Anything by Justin Bieber is annoying. Uh, yeah, they got these like 90 songs, like Blue by Eiffel and Barbie Girl. Yeah, those are just made to be annoying. Oh, here it is. It's not even at the front of the line, so I can only imagine. Starship, we built the city. Nothing that needs to be said that hasn't been said before. See, this is definitely fucking millennial Gen X people. The police, the do, do, do. Da, 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 it's all I want to say to you. Come on. It's the stupid lyrics. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. Stupid, stupid lyrics. But, hey, made them a lot of money. Uh, anything by Ricky Martin, Black Eyed Peas, yep. They, they, they were a flash in the pan. And, and Fergie ended up, oh, that was the worst rendition of the national anthem in the history of this country, I do not think anybody has ever sang a worse version of the national anthem than Fergie. It was so bad. If you've never seen it, go to YouTube. Fergie national anthem. The fucking players are cringing, literally. Camera on their faces. They're laughing. They, they were, it was so, so bad. It's literally the train wreck. You have to watch it. And you can't take your eyes off it because you're just wondering, is it going to get worse? Uh, let's see. Yeah, Vanilla Ice, 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 Baby. I like the heavy metal version of that song, actually. That's, uh, that's actually pretty good. I, and listen, he's one of those guys, right? So Jack and I were just speaking on that. So Vanilla Ice was flashing the pan. He was the top of the world. Then he came crashing down. Then he leveled off, right? You don't hear from him. He, he does this comeback, and he does Ice Ice Babies. Now he's with a metal band. Like, the dude stuck it out, right? But then he gets a little older, and he gets into flipping houses, but he just doesn't flip houses. It's actually a pretty good show. Um, I, I forget the name of it, but he gets these mansions, and like, because he lives here uh, in South Florida. He's in uh, Palm Beach County, which is where I'm in. And he flips these, like, mansions, right? And they do a great job. The dude's he's good. But he comes back, and then people start like, yeah, okay, he's more of a nostalgia thing. But he, he, he made a comeback. Now he's everyone, he could be called Vanilla Ice. He doesn't care. People are like, yo, what's up, Ice? So he's cool again, right? Let's see. Uh, Cisco Thong Song, yeah. Culture Club, Karma Chameleon. I'll tell you, that, that, that's spot on. That song's a fucking pain in the ass. But I'll tell you, their first album still a good album. 
The first album's still a good album. Let me see. Billy Ray Cyrus, Take You Break Your Heart. See, this this list is Macarena. These are all like campy songs. But they are they are annoying. Spice Girls, anything. Wham, wake me up before you go. Come on. Come on. You know. You know, listeners. You know. Deep down. Deep down when that comes on the radio and you're alone in your car, you listen to Wham, Wake Me Up Before You Go. I I know you do. All right, if there's 100% of you out there that this song comes on the radio, I'm telling you, 80% will listen to it. (laughs) That's just not something you talk about, though. And it's not a song you play when you're sitting in the car with another guy. Like, if I'm sitting in the passenger seat, don't fucking put that song on. It's not a good look. Not good. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Muppets. Why? See, this is a this is a a, a cheap. I, I probably should have Champs Tequila. That's a classic. Uh, now they get into these obscure songs. The Coasters, Yakety Yak. Don't talk back. Uh, it goes on. Willow Smith. Anyways, let's see what the what the number one. Let's jump all the way to. The bottom Bruno Mars, Kim Kardashian. I didn't even know she had a song. The Buckwheat Boys? They went really obscure on this. Oh, maybe for me. I don't know. The Venega Boys. Eh, not going to waste my time. Then they stuck in. Um, somebody sent me this. A friend, uh, friend of the show. Todd Sockman, the chief. Chiefy. Quotes by famous musicians. You know what? This is so typical of this guy. Life is what happens when you're making other plans. John Lennon. You know, people give him way too much fucking credit. (laughs) That's, it's, he's supposed to like, he's being all philosophical. Life is what happens when you're making other plans. It makes no sense. John Lennon. That makes no sense. But you, somebody took it as, oh, did you hear what John said? Oh, my God. Uh, let's see. There's another quote from another artist. You see, we are here, as far as I can tell, to help each other. Our brothers, our sisters, our friends, our enemies. That is to help each other and not hurt each other. By the late, great Stevie Ray Vaughan. I, I could go with that. I could go with that. I can go with that. I'll give him that. Um, Without deviation from the norm, progress is not possible. That can only be said by Frank Zappa. Not a fan. Not a fan. But he uh, he definitely deviated. <laughs> he deviated to the extreme. Uh, the beautiful thing about learning is that nobody can take it away from you. B.B. King. Uh, see, this this isn't even a, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. I mean, that's the end of a song. Paul, I, I don't know. I'm going to toss that one out. Uh, love is a special word, and I use it only when I mean it. You say the word too much, and it becomes cheap. You know, that's Ray Charles. I say that. I say that. I say that about, like, my wife. I'm just going to get a little personal here. I always say, when you say I love you to somebody, Fucking mean it. Don't just throw it away. Like you're walking out the door. I love you. Eh. I I don't know. I think that cheapens it. 
I think that cheap is it. Love you. It's just like you're just throwing it away like a paper towel. Uh, do you really mean it when you say it right there and then? Uh, are you saying it just to say it? Are you saying it just to make her feel good? And you walk out the door and you're, uh, you're thinking about something else right away. Uh, I'm, I'm with Ray Charles on this one. I'm with Ray on that one. Uh, let's see. Love is a special word. So, uh, you build a fail, you build on failure, use it as a stepping stone and close the door on the past. Don't try to forget the mistakes, but don't dwell on it. Johnny cash. Ah, speaking of the top talking heads, David Burns quote is to some extent, I happily don't know what I'm doing. I feel that it's an artist's responsibility to trust that. I could go on. I'll tell you. Uh-oh. What am I getting? Updates here. All right. You know what? Uh, I think that's probably all I had. So Jack could have hung around for a little longer. No. Doesn't do that. So I am going to move on to, because that's about all I have right there. Let me see. Uh, there's another lawsuit between uh, Jonathan Kane and Journey. Neil Sean, there are they, those. They're always battling it out. Neil Sean sues Jonathan Kane in battle over Journey credit card. So evidently, Jonathan Kane from Journey, one of the original members, uh, he started. It says Kane and Sean established a limited liability corporation called Nomota. Uh, N-O-M-O-T-A, in 1998 to handle Journey's business dealings with shared 50-50 ownership. According to the court documents, Kane later set up Nomota's American Express account without Schoen's consent or knowledge with only Kane as the account holder. That's some shady shit right there. <laughs> That's some shady shit. Uh, the filing says... Schoen has tried to avoid legal action, repeatedly requesting that Kane grant him access to the Amex account. For many months, Kane and his representatives have represented has have re, have yeah represented that Schoen would be granted access. But every time Schoen contacted Amex, Amex informed him that he was still not authorized to access the Amex account records. His lawyers further assert that Schoen must have unfettered access to to Nemota's records so that he can oversee and manage Nemota slash Journey. The Amex account is a Journey account, not a personal account, of Keynes. The filing continues arguing that millions in Journey funds have flowed through this Amex account. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's like owning the business with your with a partner and the partner has the credit card. <laughs> and you never get to see it. Sean claims he can't, quote, determine the portion of Journey's profits to which he is entitled as the founder and president of Journey. He's the president. Like this guy really, I've said this in the past, Neil Sean really wanted to put the mark that that's his band. I think, I think Steve Perry made him that way by being so popular, being the face of the band. I think Neil Schoen kind of felt insecure about that, and every chance he got, even to this day, he makes sure that 
people know that Journey is his band. Yeah. So let me see. Uh, his lawyers also make a host of other allegations about Kane that they say are detrimental to Journey's continuing business. Quote, Kane is interfering. Kane is interfering with Journey, refusing to respond to booking opportunities, blocking payment to band members, crew, and vendors, refusing to execute necessary operating documents, and in other ways as well. The filing claims, quote, Kane has obstructed shown from viewing expenses incurred by Kane and his touring party on band tours. <laughs> this is, this shit is, that's a shady, shady. I can't say that enough. Kane has further refused to deal with critical, time-sensitive touring contracts for Journey's 2023 tour and ensure payment for band members and crew who Kane contends are, quote, non-essential. The court action further, when it, Journey is not Twitter, okay? Journey's not Twitter. Twitter had a lot of non-essentials. 7,300 of them to be exact. I think they're running on 500 people now. Journey is what? I don't know, five people in the band? Three permanent members? And what, the, the bull crew? You know, can there be 100 people? I think they're all essential. If you want to get that staging put up, uh, the court action further alleges, quote, Shone believes those band and crew who are crucial to the band's success should be paid. Kane's conduct is inexplicable. A, pre a preliminary hearing is scheduled for March 3rd. Uh, this is just the latest edition in a long list of lawsuits between Journey members. Steve Perry took legal action earlier this year after Kane and Schoen submitted trademark registrations for 20 Journey songs. Yeah, see? So that's what happens. You get two fucking crooks, and they're eventually going to turn on each other. Two thieves, right? They're eventually going to turn on each other. It's like the treasure of the Sierra Madre. <laughs> if you've never seen it, see it. It's a great movie. Humphrey Bogart. Everybody turns on each other when it comes to money. Greed. It's all about greed. Uh, Ross, Valerie, and Steve Smith were fired in 2020 after Kane and Schoen accused them of an, quote, ill-conceived corporate coup d'etat. Both sides then sued each other with the dispute eventually settled out of court. Listen, if I, if I had another career, I'd want to be a fucking lawyer for Journey. <laughs> Making a lot of money. That's making some bank. Uh, I got this pretty interesting list. Rockers whose bands... Did I have my voice just squeak? What am I in fucking puberty? Rockers. Rockers whose bands tried to erase them. Michael Anthony from Van Halen. Right? Ryan Wilson from the Beach Boys. Mike Love is a motherfucker too. That guy. Daryl Jones from the Rolling Stones. He was basically their bass player for, I don't know what. Uh, let me see. He joined them in 76, but they never made him a full member. He played on all the tours. He played in some uh, some albums, but they never made him a full. A full. But you know what? The guy's not, uh, he's not bitter. Uh, uh, he was not bitter. 
see. It took uh, Ron Wood. Let me see. Ron Wood joined the Stones in 76, but wasn't made a full member until 86. So this guy, Daryl Jones, he played with them since 93 when Bill Wyman left. Uh, so, yeah, but he's not, he says, uh, he's, he's not, not bitter. Bill Ward, Black Sabbath. Let's see. John Karabi, Motley Crue. See, yeah, John Karabi should be, should be blacked out. Trying to fill in Vince Nail and Motley Crue. That's one of those bands you just can't, you can't fill that void. And John Karabi's like, well, you know, we made some good music together and, you know, we, we did good. And evidently the band doesn't think so. So deal with it. Uh, Phil Rudd from ACDC. All right. Let's see. Don Felder from the Eagles. Well, that's just because of bad blood. That's a money deal too. That's all about the money. Lawsuits. All sorts of lawsuits. Back and forth. Uh, Steven Adler from Guns N' Roses, the drummer. Yeah, because he was a heroin addict. And he, he was with them, I don't know, short amount of time. First album. Uh, Jimmy Crespo from Aerosmith. Does anybody know who Jimmy Crespo is or was? And did you know he played with Aerosmith? Rockin' a Hot Place was a good album, though. It was a good album, but he was with them from uh, 79 to 84. Those were the non-Joe Perry years. Uh, let's see. Joff Nichols from Black Sabbath, Peter Chris from Kiss, and that band. Now, they talk about two, I don't know if they're thieves. I just think they're brilliant businessmen, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. I just think their business brains are just so far ahead of those other Ace Freely and Peter Chris. And, and they, I don't know how they did it, but they got them to, they got them, they bought back the star man and the cat uh, kind of look from Ace Freely and Peter Chris. They paid them for it and they took the money and then they complained afterwards. Yeah. And they, they actually re-recorded Beth with, uh, what's his name? Eric, uh, oh, what's his name? Eric Carr. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Malloy from Van Halen, another guy that came and went. Uh, Dave Mason from Fleetwood Mac. Eh, that was the pre 75 Fleetwood Mac that nobody fucking listened to. Oh, Darcy Redsky from Smashing Pumpkins. She's she's the bass player. Oh, she tears into uh, uh, Billy Corrigan. She tears into him on this one. She says, uh, she said, <laughs> so let me read this. The Smashing Pumpkins appeared to be putting their best known lineup back together in early 2018 when a nasty dispute reignited between stalwart frontman Billy Corrigan, Billy Corrigan and bassist Darcy Retsky. Of course, they'd never been known for pulling punches. The band originally fell apart. Corrigan once told Rolling Stone that Retsky was fired for being a mean-spirited drug addict. But this was particularly brutal. 
She said he reneged on a pledge to include her. He said she'd been asked and declined. She then said he may have a brain tumor. Also, that Corrigan, quote, can't sing for shit. (laughs) And he can't. He can't. I don't know how fucking people think. Uh, Let me finish. So that escalated very quickly. Uh, To no one's surprise, the the reunion tour and new music with producer Rick Rubin only included the band's other founding members. Uh, Let me see. I think that uh, I think what she did demonstrates why she couldn't be involved. Corgan later concluded, adding that the bridge is now burned forever. Well, I've always said this. If you listen to his voice, if you listen to Billy Corgan's voice, really think about it live. That dude needs a lot of work. He needs a lot of work live because that is not a live. It's not a constant voice. And wow, there's a vampire. Like, does he stick tissues up his nose to sing like that? <laughs> does he plug, put a clothespin over his nose? Because that's what he sounds like. And he screams a lot. And she's right. He can't sing for shit. All his songs in the studios are all worked up. They're all worked up. But hey, listen, who am I to say? You know, guys, fucking loaded. He's, he owns a wrestling organization also. I give him credit for that. But when the bass player says he can't sing for shit, she knows something. She knows something. Yeah. All right, you know what? Let me move on. Let's get into uh, top 10 this week. I'm going way back now. Going way back. Top 10 this week in 1974. So number 10 this week in 1974, and, you know, I'm kind of glad Jack's not here right now. Tell you the truth. I love Jack. I do. It's a long, long, long friendship. But when I do, it's a pain. He brings that guitar. He's a pain in my ass. I know he does it on purpose, too. Anyways. Number 10 this week in 1974, Angie Baby by Helen Reddy. That's that's a creepy fucking song. That's a creepy song. Yeah. The stalker falls into the fucking spider's trap, spider's web. Yeah, he gets her. She gets him in the end. Uh, number nine, I fucking hate this song. I hate this song. God damn. Cats in the Cradle, Harry Chapin. I hate that song god fucking just give me a gun give me a razor blade give me a fucking noose right handcuff my hands throw me in a fucking pool (sighs) how can anybody listen to that song and be happy afterwards how can you feel good and why would you want to listen to a song that is just absolutely volume on 10 depressing Ah, God damn. And people listen to it. Like, you know, when this, you know what happens, you know, you're going to, it's, you're going to be bummed out. Eh, 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 eh. <sighs> I'm not going to waste my time. I've already railed on that a number of times over the last 82 episodes. No end in sight, my friends. Uh, number eight, you ain't seen nothing yet in freewheeling by Bachman Turner Overdrive. Number seven, 
My Melody of Love by Bobby Vinton. Number six, Everlasting Love by Carl Carlton. Number five this week in 1974, Longfellow Serenade, Neil Diamond. Longfellow Serenade, much of the plans I made. I sound just like them, don't I? Longfellow Serenade. <laughs> I sound just like them, I'm telling you. Yeah. I, I, I know I do. Anyways, number four this week in 1974, do it so you're satisfied. The BT Express. That's when funk was like, 70s funk is the best. It's the best. Number three, When Will I See You Again by the Three Degrees. I believe that was redone for the uh, Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Yeah. Number two, one of the biggest one-hit wonders of all time, Kung Fu Fighting by Carl Douglas. And number one this week in 1974, I Can Help by Billy Swan. I don't remember that song. All right, now that we're done with that, let's move on to This Day in Music. I'll start from the later, and then I'll move backwards. I usually start from the older dates and move to the current dates. But on this day, November 30th, 2015, Sinead O'Connor was receiving medical treatment after a message about her taking an overdose was posted on her Facebook page. I remember this. She wrote, quote, I have taken an overdose. There's no other way to get respect. The post read, the Irish singer was found safely in Dublin by police. She's bipolar. God bless her. Still one of the greatest debut albums ever, Lion and the Cobra. I'm telling you, if you've never listened to that album, I'm telling you, you've got to listen to it. It's a perfect album, Lion and the Cobra. Uh, on this day in 2015, former New Order bassist Peter Hook suing his ex-bandmates, there we go, for $3.5 million. Hook accused Bernard Sumner and Stephen and Gillian Morris of pillaging the pop group's assets after the three other band members set up a company without him to handle the band's income, without him to handle the band's income in 2011. Well, I, I guess they have their own Amex card. He didn't. Peter Hook doesn't have the Amex card. <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? Uh, it was kind of a sad day on this day in 2012. Now it is a sad day. Uh, the great Glenn Campbell played the very last live performance of his lifetime when he appeared at Uptown Theater in Napa, California. Campbell relieved, uh, revealed his Alzheimer's diagnosis to the public in 2011. And it set out on his goodbye tour as a way to say farewell to his fans. I remember that. His, his kids actually went with him. They would help him on stage. And I believe they might have uh, did a little more as far as musically for him. But, uh, yeah, Glenn Campbell had, had, a, had a, an interesting life. Popular, not popular, and kind of got popular again. And then there you go. Ah, uh, let's see. Uh, Jack would have been interested in this. On this day in 2007, during a Christie's rock and roll auction held at Rockefeller Plaza, New York City, a collection of 276 ticket stubs compiled by a rock journalist who covered many rock concerts at New York City venues sold for $2,000. 
The tickets included concerts by Jimi Hendrix, The Who, Rolling Stones, Frank Zappa, The Beach Boys, Pink Floyd, The Allman Brothers Band, Led Zeppelin, Neil Young, Fleetwood Mac, Grateful Dead, and Bruce Springsteen. Damn, this guy saw he saw it all. That was the time, though. Seventies was the time. Uh, on this day in 2006, the sale of Sid Barrett's final belongings, yikes, was sold by Sheffins Auctioneers in Cambridge, England. The sale of the 77 items raised $233,786. Ten paintings alone raised over, I don't know, it's 55,000 pounds, so that's like $67,000. $70,000 and two bicycles. Jesus, over 10,000 pounds. That's 15 grand for two bikes. The sale included such things as the armchair he used to sit in, his homemade bread bin, tools, notebooks, and binders and books. The sale catalog described Barrett, who quit Pink Floyd in 68, as a man with a total disinterest and materialism. Crazy. Crazy. The lunatic is in the grass. Let's see, on this day in 2003, the Ramones, a block of East 2nd Street in New York City, was officially named after Joe Ramone. I don't care. On this day in 2002, uh, da, 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 yeah, smart move. Smart move. We mentioned George Harrison earlier in the episode. High court probate records showed that George Harrison left his fortune of 99 million pounds. So it's $130 million, maybe 120 in a trust fund to his wife, Olivia and his son, Danny depriving the tax man of 40 million pounds. His English mansion there, Henley on the Thames was said to be worth 15 million pounds. So if you ever get that money, honey, Put it in a trust. Uh, on this day in 2000, Scott Smith, bassist of the Canadian rock band Loverboy, died at the age of 45. He was, he was sailing in his boat with two friends off the coast of San Francisco near the Golden Gate Bridge when a large wave swept them overboard. Ugh. Ugh. Not good. Yeah, well. He was loving every minute of it, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. Until the wave hit. <laughs> then he wasn't loving every minute of it. Oh, okay. On this day in 1999, Elton John was blasted by the Boy Scout Association. Rest in peace. After he appeared on stage at London's Albert Hall performing. And I mean, rest in peace, Boy Scouts. Thanks to girls, they ruin everything. Uh, stage London's Albert Hall performing It's a Sin with six male dancers dressed as Boy Scouts. The dancers had peeled off their uniforms during the performance. Oh, geez. Can't get away with that today. Which maybe is a good thing. I'm not, I'm not about censoring and I'm not about canceling, but maybe that one could have been canceled. I don't know. Let me see. I'm going to take some water. Hold on. All right. On this day in 1996, American singer and ukulele player, Tiny Tim, Herbert Cowrie, 
died from a heart attack on stage while playing his hit, one and only hit, Tippy Toe Through the Tulips at a club in Minneapolis. Yeah, at a club in Minneapolis. On 17 December 1969, he married Victoria May Budinger. On The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson, a publicity stunt that attracted over 40 million viewers. They had a daughter, Tulip Victoria. There you go. He performed at the 1970 Isle of Wight Festival in front of a crowd of 600,000 people. Jesus. On this day in 1994, Tupac Shakur was shot five times during a robbery outside a New York City recording studio. He was outside of Bad Boy Records. It wasn't a robbery. That was a hit. Yeah, should have stayed in California. On this day in 1991, Michael Jackson scored his fourth UK number one album. We'd have a dangerous 32 million copies. Uh, on this day in 1991, it's a sad day. It's always sad when somebody dies. Millie Vanilli singer Rob Pilatus attempted suicide while staying in a Los Angeles uh, Mondri at Los Angeles's Mondrian Hotel. He eventually succeeded in that. Girl, you know it's true. <laughs> Just, he did. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Truly tasteless jokes tonight. On this day in 1989, the Happy Mondays. And fellow Manchurian, Man, all right, Mancunians, because it's Manchester, England, they call them Mancunians, the Stone Roses, both made their debut appearance on the UK TV show Top of the Pops. Mondays performed Hallelujah, Hallelujah, and the Stones, the Stone Roses, Fool's Gold. Both good songs. On this day in 1985, Wham! were at number one on the UK singles charts with I'm Your Man, the duo's third UK number one, a number three hit in the US. On this day in 1982, Michael Jackson's Thriller album was released. It spent... 190 weeks on the UK album chart became the biggest selling pop album of all time with sales over 66 million copies. So to put that into perspective, that one album sold 66 million copies. Prince sold a total of 100 million albums. Think of that. Fucking unbelievable, right? This one album sold 66 million albums. Prince in his career sold 100 million, and that made him one of the biggest uh, selling artists ever. So, hey, Michael Jackson was like the fucking Wayne Gretzky of music at the time. <laughs> Breaking every record. What Tom Brady? I'll use Tom Brady. Now, I can't put Tom Brady with Michael Jackson. Tom Brady's another, another level. Uh, seven singles were released from the album, including Beat It, featured Eddie Van Halen, Blah Blah, and Billie Jean. On this day in 1971, Sly and the Family Stone were at number one in the U.S. singles charts with The Family Affair, their fourth number one, uh, their fourth and final number one. Rolling Stone magazine later ranked the song at number 138 on the list of 500 greatest songs of all time. One child grows up to be 
somebody that loves to learn. One child grows up to be somebody you just got to burn. Mom loves the both of them. See, it's in the blood. Blood is thicker than mud. It's a family affair. Both kids are good to mom. That's what it is. Mom loves both of them, and both kids are good to mom. Yeah. Either way. Great song. On this day in 1969, the Monkees made what would be their last live appearance for 15 years when they played the Oakland Coliseum in California. Uh, <laughs> on this day in 1969, the Rolling Stones played the final night of a 17-date North American tour at the International Raceway Festival in West Palm Beach, Florida, right up the street from me. Also appearing, the Moody Blues 10 years after, King Crimson, Janis Joplin, The Band, Steppenwolf, and Iron Butterfly. And I'm sure Iron Butterfly played Inagata DeVita for 25 minutes, and that was their set. <laughs> Pretty sure. Now we get back to Glenn Campbell. On this day in 1968, what I think is the greatest song ever written and ever performed. I don't care. This is my opinion. This is the greatest song ever written. And Glenn Campbell, Johnny Cash does a fucking outstanding version of this song, but it's Glenn Campbell's song. And this song gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. It is a perfect song. It's the I can't say it enough. I think it's the greatest song ever written. Uh, Glenn Campbell started a five-week run at number one in the U.S. album charts with Wichita Lineman. Yeah, man. Jimmy Webb's inspiration for the lyrics came while driving through Washita County in northern Oklahoma. Webb was driving through an endless litany of telephone poles, each looking exactly the same as the last. Then, in the distance, he noticed the silhouette of a solitary lineman atop one of the poles. Webb then, quote, put himself atop that pole and put that phone in his hand as he considered what the lineman was saying into the receiver. That's fucking amazing. First of all, that's a great image, right? That's a great image. Just think of that. You're driving down at all these poles and like he just sees this guy in the distance. Probably no other car on the road. That's the way I see it. And he just had the inspiration. Say, what's this guy thinking? And he wrote one of the, I think, the greatest song ever. Yeah. If you get a chance, listen to Johnny Cash's version. It's really good. Really good. But it's Glenn Campbell's song. Uh, and let's see. Finally, on this day in 1963, you can't get away from the Beatles, can you? The Beatles' second album with The Beatles became the first million-selling album by a group in the U.K. The album stayed at the top of the charts for 21 weeks, displacing Please Please Me, so that The Beatles occupied the top spot for 51 consecutive weeks. All right. Let's move on. We're getting close, people. Getting close to the end. Born on this day. Let's start from, all right, we'll start from the top, the latest to the oldest. Born on this day in 1965, Paul Wheeler, singer from Ice House. Yeah. 
Electric Blue. They're, they're good 80s. I like their songs in the 80s. Crazy. Down, down, down. I got a message full of gold. I don't know if that's the lyrics, but sounds right. Yeah, it's a good video, too. Dude's a DJ. Lady calls up all sexy. Wanting to request a song. Yeah. And that guy had one of the greatest mullets of the 80s. <laughs> Thing went, like, down past his waist. Born on this day in 1957, John Ashton, guitarist with the English rock band The Psychedelic Furs. Born on this day in 1955, the great, the iconic, the 80s icon, the rock icon, Billy Idol. William Broad, a.k.a. Billy Idol. Born on this day in 1955. Born on this day in 1953, June Pointer of the Pointer Sisters. Born on this day in 1953 also. Uh, let me see if I get this right. I know who he is. David Sankius. Sankius. S-A-N-C-I-O-U-S. He was a keyboard player and guitarist and the early member of the Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Uh, he contributed to the first three Springsteen albums and has also worked with Stanley Clark, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Happy birthday. Uh, born on this day in 1945, Roger Glover, bassist with Deep Purple. Born on this day in 1929, the great, talk about iconic, just got to say his name, Dick Clark. Don't have to say anymore. Happy birthday. He's dead, but happy birthday. And finally, born on this day in 1924, he died in 73, at the age of 49, actually, Alan Sherman. Now, maybe the guys from Music Relish music relish podcast would know what song alan sherman was famous for it's uh one of those kind of what do you call them uh gimmick songs but he sang and it actually <laughs> it went to number two in the u.s hello mother hello father here i am at camp granada hey right right Baby boomers know about that song. If you don't, now you know. And you know what? That's the show. That's it. Yep. I finished without Jack. That's fine. I'll be doing that in the future. I will not be held down. I like the long form shows. I like stretching it out. I like not having to rush things, squeeze things in. We did that for over a year. I won't, I won't take it anymore. We're going all freestyle. From now on, Jack can do his hour. I will not be deterred. Unless I'm tired and I want to go too. Then you're only going to get an hour. At least you get an hour. So with all that said, I want to thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're watching this on YouTube, like it, share it, subscribe, hit the alert button. Share it with friends. Tell friends about it. Uh, music, you know, someone asked me tonight, you know, oh, you know, you're making, everyone thinks you do a podcast, you're going to make money. I said, well, it depends. You know, the, the music is a very niche market podcast. Uh, it's not even near the top. You got, you know, true crime, you got horror, 
you got medical, there's a whole list of self-help. Uh, you know, you get talk shows, music podcasts are really kind of, you know, download, but like me and Jack always said, or I always say, I don't need the money. I got money. I don't mean, I'm not bragging. I just, I got money that I don't need to really push this. There were 81 episodes into this. 81 episodes. Damn. Like I said, I played that clip earlier from episode two. Seems like a lifetime ago. Come a long way, and a lot of you have been with us along the way, and we thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your everything, I guess. And uh, like I always say, you are the engine that runs this machine. Without you, it would, well, it is just me talking right now. But And to quote my favorite artist, Morrissey, doing this show for you, well, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. Now I'm going to go uh, hang out with Dr. Vera, maybe uh, catch a show, and uh, just chill with my beautiful wife. She's taking me to Orlando this week, Universal Studios, early birthday present. She's the best. Always surprising. Anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great night. Have a great week. I'll see you next Wednesday. You'll hear me next Thursday.